I'm Justin Bladner, and welcome to Free Coffee, a podcast on the LearnPod network. I've created content for ad agencies, businesses, and entrepreneurs for over 10 years. And now I've decided to take what I learned creating content for others and use it to tell the stories that are interesting to me, something that I want to hear. I listen to a ton of podcasts, including those with people sitting around a table with some microphones, and those shows are great, but this one's going to work a little bit differently. Free Coffee is a show where I take you, my audience, on a journey through the internet. No, this isn't the magic school bus, but learning is encouraged. The journey is full of very talented individuals that I would love to introduce to everyone, my friends, my family. So you, the stranger sitting right now, listening that I don't know, I think you may see the value in this journey. Before I forget, and before we get lost into the story, I just wanted to say that when I started this podcast, I really just was doing it because it was interesting to me to kind of record these conversations and, and um to genuinely learn and then to help other people kind of learn the what I was going through, I guess, at the time. But it's really taken off and the show's really progressed progressing and progressed into something that's bigger than I originally thought. So I really do think you should stick around and please get involved. Reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thank you. On this week's show, I'm exploring how the pandemic is actually making people more creative and more productive. One would even say that I'm exploring, does a pandemic lead to a renaissance? Some wisdom from the internet tells me that the Black Death led to the rebirth of the renaissance and that in London, um, the Globe and other playhouses were shut in early 17th century for 78 months because of pandemics. Um, With so much quarantining, it's no wonder we think Shakespeare wrote King Lear during this time. Speaking of playwrights, first up we're going to meet Carly and Hannah, both very talented individuals who came together during this pandemic time to first try to live stream a play, which didn't work out with the lockdown. And then they created a a very funny podcast that I'm actually going to give you a sneak peek to. Then we have a sit with Lee Mann, who's the head of new business for a production company based in Soho, London. I always look to his advice. I've worked with him in the past and he's an excellent macro view on the entertainment industry. He's an outstanding producer and human being and has some insight on the future of events, which we will ask about. After getting those insights, we'll explore the future of events from Craig, a corporate event producer, and Ralph, an event producer and content creator. We will compare these views and see if we can get an accurate prediction for the future without calling Miss Cleo. And somewhere in all this, I attend a virtual event for the first time. We'll get the behind the scenes with Ralph and have some fun. Okay, that's all the housekeeping I have today. Let's meet Carly and Hannah. <laughs> Just a couple of gorgeous babes trying to make their way in the world. These two are absolutely hilarious. I had such a great time talking to them. And I really encourage any of you who are out there to listen to their podcast and donate, support the theater that, that they're a part of. And um, I think there's enough of me talking. As much as I want to bring all these people to you, I also hate the sound of my own voice. So see you in a bit. Well, I guess we are one of dog productions. 
just to clarify that's because I have a dog that has one ear <laughs> and um, I was I was just gonna say I was I was doodling her one day and I was like this would be a really good logo for a company um uh like one I just we just said one ear dog productions and then I told Hannah and she was like let's call our production company that um I'm <laughs> I'm an actress um as well as a writer and a voiceover artist and Hannah <laughs> I am uh, first and foremost a singer-songwriter musician um but yes dabbling in writing and performing genre and comedy the Carly. so hannah was the lead singer in um my husband was in a blues band when i met him 10 years ago uh and hannah was the lead singer in the blues band so we became friends then yeah a decade and a, a decade oh my goodness <laughs> um yeah we realized that we had a lot in common um, and we started going to see theatre together and um, I don't know, we got inspired by what we saw and then decided that we'd like to try and write some things together. And we, I don't know, we just realised that we had a lot of um, experiences that felt cathartic to write about. I don't know if you've seen La La Land when she walks into the casting waiting room and every other girl there looks exactly the same as her. And there's something quite um, off-putting about going to those kind of auditions over and over again. And you're kind of up against other people who look exactly the same. So it's quite made quite clear that it's about what you look like, um, as opposed to sort of how amazing of an actor you are. And um, I think I just reached the end of my tether. I think I'd had one. I always get asked to dance. This is my problem. I can't dance and I always get asked to dance. So I think this particular one was I had to be in a queue for something and then everybody started doing flamenco dancing so I just and I met Hannah afterwards and I was just I'd had enough at that point I was like they made me dance again and um we just started going through all these kind of situations of being an actor but also being a kind of like a a woman in the creative industries and putting all these things together that these situations that played into both music and acting um and we came up with this idea of these two actresses who were kind of too far out of drama school to not be working as much or to be working as little as they are um, and going to these kind of soul-destroying auditions over and over again and and getting mm. fed up with it and just kind of railing against the whole system. Um, and it just kind of came out, didn't it, Hannah? We just talked about every annoying, I don't know, time that we'd been kind of patronised or <laughs> made to do something humiliating. <laughs> And we just put it all on paper. Hmm. With generally the hardest part of the process done, Carly and Hannah are ready to perform. When did they realize, though, that performing wasn't going to take place due to this coronavirus pandemic? Um, I, rem- I really, one thing I really remember is having a friend over, um, He's very politically active and he works um, for Save the Children and uh, the charity. And so he's very kind of tapped into especially kind of global affairs. And I remember him sitting in my living room saying, this is this is going to be really bad. This is going to be really serious. And um, I just I couldn't really process it. I'm kind of one to be like, no, no, it'd be fine. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I I don't think I even thought about it that much. I I was just like, okay, well, I don't, I don't know that much about it. This is, and it was quite a long time before. I think it was um, kind of last winter. And then just seeing it come, coming, 
kind of in dribs and drabs in the news and realizing that he was completely right and that he he, he said this is going to shut down this is going to change everything this is going to be you know um a really big deal and and just kind of finally accepting that that was true and um I mean obviously in the UK we took quite a lot of time to to lock down so I think there was a lot of uncertainty um especially with kind of what we were doing with the play and we had all these dates coming up and it was very soon and um it was just not I think at the beginning it was just not knowing I feel like there was never really a time where we were like okay this is happening and this is where it is it's just kind of there's been a lot of uncertainty here especially I think about we kind of just knew you know there's no way you can get a load of people in a in a in a theater together shoulder to shoulder it's just not going to happen but it was sad and and I think I don't know we've we have even though we're both really lucky to be safe and you know we're so fortunate it, there's still things that you you're missing out on and you kind of like looking in our diaries and going oh we would have been doing that today you know so with the realization setting in that you may not perform the play uh carly hannah are you guys talking to each other yeah we're, we're not much for voice calling we kind of just fire off messages to each other as we think most of the time <laughs> um just kind of yeah bleeping throughout the day um but yeah definitely that thing of uh-oh you know everything is looking to be closing stopping coming to a halt we keep talking about the parallel universe don't we <laughs> like oh in the parallel universe we'd be getting the train to london now oh in the parallel universe we'd be loading into the theater now because we were due actually to be in another play at Brighton Fringe as well, um, written by a guy called Stuart Warwick, who's local to Brighton. So we had all these, it was it was really disappointing. Like, or like Hannah said, I mean, we're so so lucky to be where we are and everything, but it's that feeling of, we had all the all of these dates coming up and um, and one by one they were cancelled. And it was, it was just, yeah, it was really sad. Okay, so then when does the idea of building a podcast to kind of like fill this creative hole that happened? So we'd found out that our performances were cancelled or postponed. And we decided to do a live stream of the play um, because we've got this really great local studio called Copper Dollar Studios that we've we've done some filming in before. And we thought, you know, we could do this. We could get, a, we, I've got a camera, we could set it up to like a live link we could we could live stream it to youtube and try and raise money because um the kind of small theaters that we we were working with like especially the hope and and also um Bournemouth Merging Arts Fringe was they're really suffering at the moment obviously because they've all had to close down and they've lost um kind of all their income um so we, the idea was to do it and to raise money and we were just due to do it that week weren't we and then they announced a complete lockdown um, so that was like another blow that, you know, obviously it was the right thing to do. Um, but we'd kind of thought, oh, well, we can't do the performances, but to kind of cheer ourselves up, we'll do this instead. And then that was taken away as well. So, so I think then we were kind of like, well, what can we do? <laughs> so then an interesting thing happens. Hannah and Carly decide they want to start writing something that potentially leads into comedy sketches. And well, I'll let them explain. 
an idea of maybe writing not necessarily even comedy but sketches for us two to perform and a series mm, of those like as short, a broadcast yeah short stories yeah, if you short like. audio plays yeah um, yeah and then I messaged Hannah and I was like I can't write drama I'm really sorry <laughs> and everything I keep putting jokes everywhere it's really inappropriate <laughs> and also I don't know it just felt like um I don't know that comedy was maybe more helpful at such a strange time um, yes like both for us ourselves and hopefully people listening to it to laugh at the situation we're in or at something but completely not about lockdown um yeah. yeah I think at the beginning you said you know we kind of made a conscious decision we have some lockdown themed uh sketches because we we kind of write some kind of topical news sketches but to to make a conscious effort not to make the whole um show about that to kind of have some kind of escapism and comedy for people Today I've had to stop a number of barbecues, interrupt a few groups of teenagers who really shouldn't be gathering together, making sure people aren't making any unnecessary journeys. Oh, blimmin' heck. Humans, we come in peace. We have travelled many millions of light years. Hang on, can I just stop you there? I'm afraid we can't have you doing that. What? No unnecessary long journeys. But we come from a distant galaxy. I don't care. I'll tell you exactly what I said to that couple who drove down from Stockport for a seaside weekend. Go home. Stay in space. Save lives. Protect the NHS. Do you understand? Can we just quickly go and get an ice cream? No. Oh. So from Corona-related comedy to comedy beyond this pandemic, Hannah and Carly are on the right track. And how they got on this track is what's curious to me. Is this pandemic leading to their their creativity and their productivity and their drive during this time? And I think Carly might have some insight. I'm like the world's laziest person. And I don't know what's happened during lockdown this is like I'm asking myself the same question because other normally I'm kind of like I'd always be Netflixing um and I don't know why this particular time has just I've been like the most productive I've ever been I don't know if it's because there's no other pressures to go out I'm not auditioning so I'm not in and out of London all the time and all the time I wish um but in and out of London occasionally <laughs> um for auditions and uh and kind of my copywriting work is just from home so I don't know maybe it's just having this having the time of, of not having any kind of external pressures of having to do anything you just have all this time to and for some reason that's triggered something creative in us or me I don't know I started gardening as well I just don't know what's going on I think she actually does know what's going on and she had some amazing insight for those who want to be productive. Um, but I think you should wait to the end before you get that. I'm starting to think more deeply about what this lockdown is teaching us about productivity. Let's meet with Lee and see what he, if he can add to the theory. So my name is Lee Mann and I am head of new business for a production company based in London, based in Soho, called Squire Studio. We make uh, music video, uh, TV commercials, film, 
documentaries and we also quite heavily involved within the VR and AR world. Would, 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 look, I think you should, look, anyone out there who's, who's been affected by this, which is everyone, you look at your skill set. And if it's not available outside the current restrictions that we have, you change and you adapt. We've got directors and cameramen and DOPs working from their garage, making amazing things, amazing things, and simple things as well. Okay, we have some evidence here. Now, Lee is saying that these creatives are home creating. Sounds a bit obvious, yes, I know, but we were kind of amazed that Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the pandemic, so at least we know that the creatives are home creating still, as opposed to not creating, which is something that I was doing while watching Tiger King, so it's not as obvious as you think. London has some of the best filmmakers. I, I personally think I'm not being biased, but I really do think we have some of the best filmmakers out there, and uh, that's given us the golden opportunity of time. If you work in the film industry, time is always against you. Uh, we'll have a, uh, a a brief land on our desk. Right, we need a, a treatment sending over in the next hour, and you know we're shooting this music video in the next week or so. So time can. You know, time constraints are always there in anything you do in life. But um, for us at this moment, it gives us that opportunity to really think about things that we want to do. Uh, and we, 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 I think we're coming up with some quite interesting um, and uh, unique experiences. So hopefully this time has given us that opportunity. It's amazing. You know, it's, I don't think this time has been in, in not in history, but of late the most creative time for people who aren't creative think about that think about that you have to get creative otherwise you're going to lose your mind slightly think people are taking up new hobbies learning guitar my girlfriend's brother just bought a guitar to that. recap creative people are getting more creative and non-creative people are taking to the arts from learning a new instrument to a different art form, a different medium, to writing a play, to starting a podcast. Um, is the pandemic a requirement for Renaissance? So far, the science point, yes. So if you're a Medici patron out there looking for a new artist in a new art form, podcasting is the right one, and you should call me. With all these new and improved creative minds, when will the events be put on again? When can I see the plays that are being written. When when can I go to the movies to see the films that were written during this time? When can I go to the museums to see the paintings of this digital renaissance? Let's chat with Craig and see what his uh, insights from working in the event industry um, tell him about moving into the future. I think like in terms of like travel, there'll not be a lot of that until like the last quarter of this uh, year, so like October onwards. Um, I don't think we'll see a return to mass events until things like Premier League football will go back when crowds start going back into stadiums. So I would love to be able to see a concert this year, um, but I don't think we will. Um, but we're probably looking at early 2021 before a, a normal or what we would deem as normal. So Craig is an event planner, event coordinator, event producer globally 
And during this time, he decided to look at his business and evaluate for the future. Simple enough, but not as easy, especially when your business is to make events and Corona destroys that for the foreseeable future. Hi, I'm Craig McGee. I'm the chief event organizer of Panoptic Events. Uh, we are a company that since 2014 has delivered over 2,500 events. So I asked Craig, kind of give me the runway that which led up into this pandemic time. The business grew and grew and grew the last two and a half years. Um, taking me all over the world. Um, 2019, I had 126 days of travel. And last year, our growth was 170% on the year before. Um, our team tripled in size. And basically, it was coming into 2020 with so much momentum. It was all exciting. And the growth plan was to bring in two new team members. And just um, on the way up to the... Um, the, the global pause. What Craig said there was interesting. The global pause. The recognition that the world has stopped. Paused. And this recognition, I think, allows for the, the thought process to begin of what do we do during this pause? What, what can I do? What do I want to do? Do I want to think about the future? Do I want to focus on now? Do I want to better myself? Do I want to pivot my brand? Do I want to streamline my processes like Craig did? Uh, I just was like reviewing the plan going, what we were doing was working and we'd hit all targets. Uh, and we were just about to suddenly have this amazing year where we'd have two events in Brazil. We were about to confirm events in Thailand. It was shaping up to be a lovely year, basically. And there was just, there was a lot of positives to be taken from what had happened up to that point. That point for Craig and for everyone was the turning point in the Corona pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic. This is when people started to realize that maybe there was something to this after all. And Craig happened to be traveling from, from event to event across European airports. So his perspective is interesting. So you're traveling to different events that you're you're participating in. Yeah. And meanwhile, while traveling, you're going through different airports and noticing the changes that are, are happening at the airports. Yeah. So started to see the stations that were built in. There was one airport I was in, I think it was Frankfurt. Now, the first call would usually be anyone who's elderly or with children come forward first. But the first call was if anyone's been to China in the last 14 days, if anyone's been to this country in the last 14 days, make yourself known. I think it was sitting, waiting to go on that flight. You suddenly realise, oh, this is getting really serious. With the realisation that the pandemic is getting more and more serious, will it lead to a creative inspiration for Craig? So suddenly started writing this list on a bit of paper. And from that, it was suddenly everything I needed for the business. I thought, well, let's use this time to get operationally slick, to batten down the hatches, and then get all our marketing materials in order so that we can go out. But all the while, let's speak to people. Um, so I built a CRM system. I got in touch with all my clients, and I 
And then I got in touch with all my suppliers and all my leads. And it's just led to so many amazing conversations, knowledge sharing, opportunities. So much so, it's almost felt like a, it's felt like I started the business again. Um, one, you've got an idea for a business. Two, you've got uh, some opportunities that may or may not arise. Um, three, you're getting all your systems in place. There's excitement. There's a rush coming through. And then four, there's no clients. You know, <laughs> so nobody's buying events currently. So suddenly it was like there's no distractions of our events and our day-to-day. Everything's about on the business. And that's been very, very beneficial. So Craig's approach was to look at the business that he had today and to focus on his existing customers and his audience instead of trying to find new customers in this time. And by doing that, he sets himself up to be ready for when this is all over. So while Craig didn't write a play or pick up a guitar, um, he did teach us something more about this pandemic time and I think why it is that creatives are getting creative more creative and non-creatives are you know learning new you know skills in the arts and I think it's the the lack of pressure and time I you know I think Carly mentioned this and he's touching on it now Um, it just allows us to free ourselves from pressure and time on the other side of the spectrum we have Ralph Cochran who is also involved in events um, albeit more content production but his business solely relied on traveling around the world like Craig and participating in these events so his his world also was in in essence shattered once this happened Um, his story is a bit different here's Ralph I've hit record, so this is recording as well. Perfect. So my name is Ralph Cochran, and I am one of the co-founders of Event.Video, which is um, a production company really built for the coronavirus era. We specialize in remote production, live streaming, and creating video for virtual events. Um, And before the lockdown hit, I was running a fairly traditional production company, which was called The Creative Grid. And I've been doing that for almost 10 years. But the focus on staying at home uh, really let me think a lot more about how to create great content, even though people are at home. So a lot of people that we interview um, are using their laptops or kind of, I guess, in their home environment, which is not what you would typically expect. And then it's how do we create something really great from that? Um, And one of the early events that we've produced is the podcast festival, which is, I think, how you found us, Justin. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, can you paint, like, can you remember the moment where you decided to go towards digital events? Was there um, some turning point that led to you like, okay, this is something I have to look at? Yeah, I uh, discovered, of all things, this is probably not what you were expecting, but I discovered that Google do domain names. And um, so, you know, kind of sat there with a cup of tea thinking, let's just have a look at what domains are out there. And I stumbled across event.video and actually corporate.video as well, which I also own. And then I was thinking as well about the, the collapse, really, of the event industry. So we see you, Ralph, at home on the couch drinking tea, 
perusing some domains to see what's out there. And when he comes across one, he connects with it and it allows for this like spark of creativity and forward thinking. But who is Ralph? Let's find out a little bit more about what he was doing before this pandemic struck. This year, we'd got off to a great start. We'd been in Barcelona filming uh, for Cisco. There's a big event called Cisco Live. And we were expecting actually to go back to Barcelona and film at Mobile World Congress, which is something I've done for years and years. And suddenly everything ground to a halt. But it was also kind of a slow, painful um, stall, if you like, as well, because we were having lots of calls about events that people thought might go ahead. You know, really big events everybody knows, like NAB and the broadcast industry. Um, and we're still having to join these calls, even though I kept thinking to myself, there's no way we're going to be going to Las Vegas in April. Um, and obviously in our world, we only get paid when we actually do the filming, when we turn up at an event. So there was this kind of slow, painful... <laughs> death of or, or hiatus of the um of the event industry and at the same time I'm, I'm i find myself on google domains thinking well what what kind of things are out there what about the brand is it clear what i offer like everyone we've spoken to thus far the increase in amount of time that one had and the absence of deadlines allows everyone for a little bit of, of introspection to look at themselves and their businesses and kind of see what can they do moving forward. Let's see what Ralph does. And I came across event video. And then at the same time, I started to think a lot more about virtual events because if, you know, the event industry as a whole is so big, uh, I mean, it's a huge part of the marketing mix and the idea that it just stops and there's nothing that's going to replace it seemed to me to be crazy. And I came across a few of the technical platforms that people use to do events. Uh, so the podcast festival is running on Hopin. There's also another one called Brella and, and a third Glissa. Uh, all three we work quite closely with. And it just kind of appealed to me that it was live streaming. Um, it was about connecting people. But I could see that the quality of the content was not that great. Um, the audio quality, certainly the visual, um, being able to mix things together, kind of bring things to life in more of a, I guess you'd say almost like a news style, you know, packages where you cut away to Australia, if that's what you're talking about, and then come back again. And nobody was doing that. Um, so I started to experiment and, um, and kind of get into the technology a bit and then really the rest has just followed because I think we've become quite well known for producing this kind of TV quality live streaming that goes into virtual and now hybrid events as the lockdown comes to an end. So Ralph, like Hannah and Carly, dove into his own skill set and just tried to find a way to reach out and to connect the people within this time. The performers in Hannah and Carly couldn't help themselves but to do what they knew best and to put themselves out there and this was the right direction put themselves out there the trend I see in all these people is that this pandemic is like thrust us into the future and the future is communicating to audiences wherever the audiences are so if the audience is quarantined you go there the audience is just on the beach in a hammock 
um, and they want to attend the event in Cairo, they're there too. So let's talk more about Taralf. I think when we come out of lockdown, despite everything you might be feeling about, let's go back to normal. We did have a big movement around climate change before um, this hit. And I think there's a big point there, which is like, you know, why do people need to travel to an event in, I don't know, Orlando, Florida, if they can log on from their home environment and they can get most of the benefit of being there in person? So there are those technical solutions that allow you, uh, for instance, one of the events I'm working on, when you join the event, you answer a couple of questions and then it will tell you who the four or five people are that you should really meet at that event and you can request a meeting. And if you think about some of the big trade shows you've been to in the past, um, that's one of the problems is just navigating the event. It's so big. And then finding the right people to talk to can be difficult because you don't know who some of the exhibitors are. So I'm not saying that one replaces the other, but I think there is this emerging new world of live streaming plus event plus some kind of clever networking that actually adds a lot of value. Well, you definitely sold me. I'm excited for the future of events and I'm excited to go to the future of podcasting event this week, which I'll definitely be telling you guys about. Um, this is the event that, that Ralph actually produced. Um, so all the benefits he said about virtual events, I'm going to put them to the test and, and really see what the future of, of events are like. Yeah. So the podcast festival has got, um, the video speed dating, I call it, but the networking idea It's running on a platform called hop in. Um, and I think you'll enjoy the fact that you can watch the main stage, which is the part that we're producing with the live streaming. Um, but in terms of what the event offers, I think it's it's not just kind of tune into a live stream and listen to the or watch the broadcast. It's also who else is at the event? How can you connect with them? And that's what the the festival is is trying to bring to life through the technology. Ralph explained to me that he read somewhere that. What had just happened was two years of digital transformation in the period of two months. And that brought an awareness to him that he was living through something much like something he's lived through in the past. I don't know. It reminds me a bit of the the web. I'm old enough to remember, um, you know, when the web kind of became mainstream, which I think contrary to what a lot of people think would have been around about, 2005 something like that when broadband became more available and i remember walking into my local pub and somebody saying to me oh you work on the web don't you oh that's cool and that's the first time i hadn't been ridiculed as a geek you know because i was i used to work in research software research for the internet basically and um i was always the geek in the village kind of thing and then suddenly I became quite cool because people were making a lot of money from web. And I think live streaming has gone the same way. You know, if you weren't a gamer, I mean, I think if you're into gaming, you know all about live streaming, you know about refresh rates, you know about bandwidth, uh, ping times, like this is not new. Um, but for the, the corporate world, it was just becoming like a thing that you should probably do. But people were still saying, you know, maybe maybe uh, delegates won't buy a ticket to come to our event because they'll just watch the live stream, which is, I've never seen that comment be true. Uh, I think you reach a wider audience. Well, now we're catapulted into this world where we know people are not going to go 
I don't know, to the event in Cairo. They're just not going to go, but they are interested in that market. And so can you charge them a fee to do something online? And maybe in the next six months to a year, you do still have a small event in Cairo, but you've now got to do both. It's no longer a, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, live stream, yeah, it could be interesting, but actually you're worrying about stands and exhibition design and things like that. You've now got to do both. So suddenly we went from being a nice to have to being, okay, how, how do we do this and how do we make it look good? Um, and that's music to my ears, really. So it's definitely an interesting time. Um, some details that I think that are relevant for us to figure out answers to our questions are that Hannah and Carly are definitely creative individuals. Um, yeah, according to Carly, she had more drive during the lockdown. Um, this is interesting to note that the creatives are getting more creative. They're getting more drive to create. The motivation is there. The execution is there. The art is in the execution. Lee explained to us that the, in the video production world, there is an endless supply of pending deadlines and that time is always running out. So the global pause freed the creatives of these mental restraints and thus allowed them to create beautiful things with less resources, more time, less demands. Um, he also noted that even those who aren't artists managed to get creative, which I thought was interesting. Entrepreneurs like Craig, for example, um, you know, he felt a similar drive to Hannah and Carly, allowing him to, him to streamline his business in a way that was priming himself for success as soon as the industry decided to turn on. And, and he felt this drive came from having no clients at the time because of the pandemic. And again, we have more time, less demand. Um, and, and then we have Ralph, who decided to innovate and pivot his live streaming experience into a virtual event production company. Um, and he did this while leisurely sipping tea on the couch because he had more time and less demand on his mind. So everyone's creating. So do, do the pandemics cause renaissance or they, do they lead to a renaissance rather? Um, in this case, maybe a digital one. As we touched on with Ralph in the end that he really thinks that this time changed events for the future, the way people gather. And I think even with Hannah and Carly, their first inclination was to live stream, was to broadcast themselves. So I do think the medium and how we're communicating is changing. Um, I think I'm just going to leave you guys, my audience, with something that Carly said earlier on. But I, after have, talking to everyone, I kind of like, I think there's more meaning to it. So I'm going to leave you with that. And I look forward to, it's not next week's show, because I think it's going to come out in two weeks, but the next show. Um, slowly, we'll be releasing weekly. I just want to thank everyone for joining me on episode one of Free Coffee, a content creator's journey through the internet. Um, please reach out. Let me know what you like, dislike. <clears throat> Let me know what you want to hear. Thanks.
think just take all the pressure off yourself. I'm wondering if that's why we've been so productive because there seems to be, there isn't a lot of pressure on us at the moment because everyone's just saying kind of take care of yourselves, stay healthy, you know, relax if you need to. This is a really tough time. And I think having that pressure taken off, whereas normally I'm like, this is my job. My job is to be creative. I need to be making things all the time. And it can completely block you up mentally um, and kind of creatively. So I think just take all the pressure off yourself and just find something that you enjoy and do it when you feel like it and don't do it when you don't feel like it. And eventually you kind of end up coming to something. That's what happened with us anyway.